Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action. Our podcast is dedicated to the parents of children struggling with the effects of trauma and attachment disorders and the caseworkers, coordinators, and other professionals who support them. Your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, will introduce you to Gloria Cockrell, who will discuss TheraPlay. Ms. Cockrell, who is a registered play therapist supervisor, is also a certified TheraPlay therapist trainer and supervisor. Ms. Cockrell is currently the training director for the TheraPlay Institute. Before training as a social worker, Ms. Cockrell began her career as an early childhood educator and has focused her work on strengthening children, their families, and helping facilitate the healing process from the struggles they may face. Gloria has worked extensively with children and families impacted by abuse, neglect, issues of abandonment, and the traumatic separation from family, as well as a broad range of emotional and behavioral problems. She is passionate about helping children and their caregivers find hope and the strength to persevere and heal together, forming stronger relationships. Gloria enjoys working with children and families from diverse backgrounds and has experience working with families who have adopted children both domestically and internationally. And now, your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter. I'm here today with Gloria Cockrell from the TheraPlay Institute. Welcome, Gloria. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm, I'm very excited that, that you were willing to do this talk with me for the podcast and even more excited about your willingness to contribute to the book Attachment Theory in Action. So I, I really want to thank you for that. Thanks. It was a great opportunity to participate and I was honored to be included. Wonderful. Thank you. So tell us a little bit, um, before we actually get into fair play, which is what your chapter was about, tell us a little bit about yourself and your professional background and how you kind of found this area of work. Yeah, so I actually started my career as a preschool teacher and was working with a lot of children and their families who were really struggling with a lot of different um behaviors and challenges, a lot of kids in the foster care system, and and really wanted to find ways to better help them. And I felt my child development degree only got me so far, so I followed a path into social work, and so I'm a licensed clinical social worker, um, and have always sort of been passionate about working with children and families. And my first um, job out of school was working at a foster care agency, and attachment just really was a, a big piece of my development as a professional um, through working with those youth and their families, their foster families, their biological families, and really kind of um, set the stage for all things moving forward. And as part of my first job, my supervisor said, hey, I think TheraPlay would be great. And she handed me the book and I said, this is awesome. Can I go train? And she said, well, actually, no, you can't. And I said, well, then I can't really do TheraPlay without training. And so many years later, I circled back and went for training and the rest is sort of history on some level. Everything just sort of fell into place um, and things that I needed, all the tools finally were at my fingertips to really work from a very beginning relationship piece with the children and families that I was working with. Well, so Gloria, that's, um, of course, um, you probably heard this comparison before, but isn't it funny that uh, Phyllis Booth uh, was also a preschool teacher? 
Yeah. yeah. So obviously that background is helpful with TheraPlay. Yes. Yeah. So, and talking about working in the foster care system mm -hmm. and going to TheraPlay training, reading the book, it does feel like a whole bunch of pieces come together. Yes. Mm -hmm. It was sort of an, an epiphany on some level of all of the things that I knew kind of kids and families needed and gave me kind of a method for how to really work with them and integrate what I knew in my heart needed to happen, but how to actually do it yes. uh, and made a huge difference. Yes. And so before we get to the, the TheraPlay, you mm -hmm. are also a registered play therapist. Yes. So you have some training and some other models as well, correct? Yes. So before I actually found um, TheraPlay through training, um, I did a lot of training in client-centered play therapy um, and other cognitive behavioral play therapy techniques. I have a really broad range of, of training in a variety of play therapy techniques. Um, and all of them work in a variety of different ways. But until I found the TheraPlay piece, particularly with the work that I was doing primarily with kids in the foster care system, they were so, um, they were struggling so much that they couldn't even use my playroom. And I needed to kind of connect with them on such a more fundamental, relational-based way that the TheraPlay piece really fit that bill. And I found that when I went back and kind of did some TheraPlay with these kids and their foster parents or their biological parents, they were then able to use client-centered play therapy in different ways and begin to process their trauma and begin to, to integrate lots of different experiences that they were having that they really were kind of very compartmentalized until that point. Um, and so I, I find all of the skills I have in my toolbox useful, but TheraPlay always seems to be what I come back to as the foundational piece to really strengthen that relationship and help a child feel safe enough to do the other work. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I feel so similar. Um, I was trained in the model that the gurneys developed. Mm -hmm. I was at Penn State where they were. I was trained in non-directive play therapy. And before I started working with kids with significant trauma and attachment disruptions, I felt like I was like moving along kind of successful at this, helping people. Then I got a job um, in a treatment foster care program and it just was so overwhelming. There were no themes. I couldn't keep the kid in the no. room. They were throwing things at me. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it, it was just a real um, eye-opening yeah. experience. And, and like you, somebody directed me to TheraPlay. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, so, I'm so thankful that they did. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. So with um, the book being about attachment mm -hmm. theory, could you share a little bit about how attachment theory relates to TheraPlay? Yeah, so um, TheraPlay is really based around the ideas of Bowlby and, you know, those basic needs that we have. Um, when we think about, you know, I always like to think about babies being born and what would happen if no one went to them. 
And that thought is terrifying because the babies would die. They, they require an attachment figure. They require someone to really be there for them and guide them in this crazy, scary world and help them feel safe and help them begin to integrate their experience and explore their world. Um, and so without that piece, children are really kind of lost to build relationships. Mm -hmm. It's really the fundamental piece for how we learn to be with other people, be a good student, be a good friend. Um, it sets the stage and the trajectory for relationships moving forward. And so it's really sort of that core building block to everything that we do. Um, and TheraPlay really um, goes back to that basic caregiver response to what an infant might need right off the bat. Um, and really kind of adjusts it developmentally for the right age and stage to really meet those missed opportunities, um, things that a child didn't get enough of to really help them repair some of the disruptions that may they may have experienced over time. Mm -hmm. And I think you, you can't overestimate the importance of that early relationship the internal working model, those feelings of safety. Um, because like you, I experience other models then using them after TheraPlay, the child could benefit so much more greatly. And I not only saw that with, um, at the time we were using non-directed play therapy and Adlerian play therapy sort of as our next mode of treatment. Um, but I also saw that in occupational therapy, OTs communicating with me, mm -hmm. and speech therapy. Like, yeah. I had a speech therapist call me um, one time and said, you know, what are you doing? Because this child is, like, moving forward leaps and bounds yeah. in, in a way that they didn't before. So I wonder if you might speak to that, you know. Yeah, I, I had a very similar experience. I was working with um, – a little guy and his mom, they had been referred to me through early intervention services. And this, this child had been in speech therapy, PT, OT, multiple times a week in group settings, individually. And when I met them, still was barely saying one word, you know, had very little communication with his caregivers. They had tried to teach him to sign. He couldn't pick that up. After 10 sessions of TheraPlay, he was speaking in three-word phrases. Mm. By the time we were done, he was speaking in sentences. Mm -hmm. They were simple sentences, but the, the, the speech therapist was just shocked at how quickly, once things started to work with this mom and child in TheraPlay, everything else started to kind of take off. And I really think that sense of safety really just sets a different kind of trajectory for what kids are willing and able to do in terms of taking those risks and those development, achieving those developmental challenges. Yes, it's so true. I remember this reminds me when I went to my TheraPlay training, which was 1997. <laughs> I can't believe it's that long ago. But it was the first training as a therapist, a psychotherapist, I ever went to where there were speech therapists and occupational therapists. And I thought, well, this is interesting. 
you know, I've, I've never been, uh, you know, in, in the other things I go to, these people are never there. And it was then that I first heard about um, what we now call sensory processing disorder, but then sensory integration and a bunch of other things that kind of weren't crossing disciplines with child psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. And um, that I felt, you know, was really helpful for me. And I learned from them they were interested in therapy because it helped them with these challenging children mm -hmm. to connect with them and sort yeah. of manage them in in speech in OT. Because if you can't get a child to cooperate or do anything, right. like you can't do any of those, right? Right. I think the, the other important piece for me with therapy is through therapy, kids actually experience what it feels like to be co-regulated. They actually experience that sensation. They can understand what it means for their body to be calm because they actually feel it. You know, I worked with a little girl who had so many sensory needs and they had been in OT and nothing was really kind of working and they kept telling her to turn her motor down. But cognitively, that was too big for her. She couldn't really wrap her mind on what that was until she felt it. And so through TheraPlay, her parents were able to help her feel and experience it. And once she knew what that feeling was like, she could access it more on her own when someone gave her a cognitive cue. But before that, it was just her parents getting frustrated with her and not, her not being able to respond and her feeling out of control. And it was sort of a lose-lose situation. And the experiential piece of TheraPlay, I think, really, one, empowers parents to feel like they can be there for their children in ways that they haven't been able to be there for them. And it helps the child experience what it feels like for their parent to really see them and get them and understand and do what they need in that moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, Gloria, if you were going to give a brief overview um, about the overall model of TheraPlay, what, what are some things that you would say? Um, I think the, the TheraPlay um, kind of is broken down into four main dimensions and kind of thinking about the parent-child relationship. We think about structure and how parents kind of organize and set the stage for predictability and a sense of safety of what kids can count on. We think about, in, um, you know, nurture and how they soothe and settle their children and kind of help regulate them when they're having a hard time. We think about engagement as another dimension. How do they really entice their children into playful moments and really share that joy, those moments of surprise, that moment when a baby first smiles at the, their caregiver, right? That, that sheer joy, how we light up in those moments. Um, how do we maintain those moments for long periods of time? How do we manage and, and modulate those? Because we can't always stay in that state. Um, and then challenge, how do we help children feel safe enough to take those risks to achieve developmental milestones and kind of push forward and kind of grow while still knowing that if I don't make it this time, there's someone there to kind of help me through and kind of help me figure out how to break it down into smaller steps and how to achieve it and is going to be there to celebrate with me in that moment of I did it and we did it and you helped me do it. 
And so I think if we look at those four key components of a healthy relationship and kind of really help parents find the right recipe for their children, right? Not every child needs the same recipe. What works for one doesn't necessarily work for the other. Some kids need more structure. Some kids need a little bit more nurture or a little bit more engagement to draw them out. So really helping them find what fits just right for them with their kids so they can be the good, the, the, you know, if we think about Winnicott, the good enough parent, right? We, we're, we're really trying to help strengthen relationships so that parents can feel like they can really meet their child where they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one of the things that I come up against uh, often related to TheraPlay is people thinking it's only for young, very young children. And because of the fact that I've worked at Shadok mm-hmm. my whole TheraPlay journey, often with adolescents mm-hmm. and older children, um, I'm sort of like, that's not true. <laughs> like, I agree. I agree completely. Having, we're having some kind of identity problem with the model. <laughs> we have to get you people to realize. I mean, yeah. there are cases where adults can even benefit from aspects of yeah. this. So well, what would you say to the person that says, you know, this is, oh, they're too old for therapy play mm-hmm. or, you know, that's, they only think of TheraPlay for young children. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so such a um, age, a person of any age needs to feel successful in the context of relationship. And if they've really missed out on some of these key fundamental pieces to help them feel safe in the world, again, when we think about that inner working model, if your inner working model has set the trajectory that the world is not a safe place, that people are not trustworthy, every moment, every new experience is colored by that lens and we really need to give every person a chance to see the world for its potential and see themselves for their potential and I think you know some of the best moments I've had in TheraPlay have been with adolescent clients it's not about kind of doing peekaboo and baby games it's about finding ways to adapt those things to really meet them where they're at and adapt it in a way where they're getting the structure piece they're getting that engagement at a level that meets their need Um, I had an adolescent girl whose parents were convinced she will never let us feed her and lo and behold you know, the mom had finally started feeding her in session, and then it was the dad's turn to kind of switch, and the dad was hesitant, and he wasn't sure, and the daughter handed him the Cheetos and opened her mouth like a baby bird and looked at him and said, can I please have one? And that was all he needed. And then she handed him her Gatorade bottle, and he gave it to her. And it really set the stage for him feeling like he could be there for his daughter who he adopted as an adolescent in a way that she needed and could fill in some of these moments that she missed because of her early traumatic start. And it was really lovely. It changed how he interacted with her across the board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that very often, especially with older kids, but sometimes with younger kids, Parents are very surprised at how responsive children are to things that 
in their mind, they thought maybe the child would think it's silly or dumb or just won't cooperate. Um, and so in that way, I think it really can sort of make a believer out of the parent mm-hmm. when, when they yeah. see the and, and I think, too, a lot of times with adolescents, they're so... They, they have to kind of have that bravado, right? That's part of what's developmentally appropriate. But that doesn't mean that the inner child in them doesn't have needs. And so, you know, I had an, another adolescent who told her mom, I never want to do the weather report. It's so babyish. And then the and mom called me. I said, okay, we'll lay off the weather report. We'll try other things. I was just moving pillows in session. And she, the daughter said, oh, weather report, and laid down and was ready to receive it. And the mom just looked at me and was like, okay, I'm going to try it. And it became a way that they helped their daughter fall asleep every night. Mm-hmm. And had they just listened to the bravado and not really listened to her nonverbal cues of what she really kind of wanted them to do, but really felt like she was too old to ask for it would have she would have continued to struggle to sleep Mm -hmm. right they would have there would have been this gap in their relationship and you know to this day every mother's day I get a a text or an email from this mom thanking me for the connection that she made with her daughter because I was able to kind of help her push through and not be afraid to to recognize some of the miscuing Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're talking about using therapy with older kids. We've talked about attachment, working in foster care, um, this kind of thing. What are some other populations outside of that mm-hmm. that therapy has been used with? Um, a really broad range. I mean, the list is so long, it would be hard to kind of name them all off. But in my own experience, I've worked with um, kids with severe anxiety, um, who are, you know, typically in, in a biological family, no known trauma, just really kind of experience a lot of anxiety around different things that have really impacted their relationships as a result. And TheraPlay has been amazing at kind of getting the relationships back on track, at kind of helping parents be able to kind of read the cues of the child and be able to meet some of those needs, and then allowed us to kind of go on and do some even cognitive behavioral work to kind of help with coping skills and managing some of that. But but the TheraPlay piece kind of set the trajectory for that to happen. Um, I've worked with children on the spectrum of varying degrees um, and it's really useful in kind of building relationship for parent and child and and in most of the cases that I've worked on has also had a very positive impact on the speech the OT the all of the sensory pieces like the the treatment has really just pushed forward all of those areas um, I've worked with a lot of foster care and adoptive families and, and kind of getting their family just ready to, to kind of really function as the family that they want it to be. Um, but th- there's been work done with selective mutism. There's been work done um, with a wide range of, um, you know, a- attention deficit disorder, all of the, the sort of what I would call the, the standard typical diagnoses that we see with children um, all the way through children impacted by complex trauma. 
Mm -hmm. And just to clarify for our listeners, when you say the spectrum, mm -hmm. um, you were talking about the autism spectrum. Okay. Uh, sometimes that language is used um, for alcohol really uh -huh. in utero exposure to yes. uh, toxins and so because theraplay is also yes. used with alcohol children. Yes. Yeah. No, for sure. We um, a, a case that I'm working on right now. Um, the child has been exposed in utero to substances, and so um, it's definitely used for that as well. But what, what I was referring to before was the work that I've done with children on the autism spectrum. Okay, okay, very good. Um, and so um, could you talk a little bit about where people might get more information, more training, how would you recommend listeners can learn more about the TheraPlay model? Yeah, so um, to learn more about the, the TheraPlay model, you can check out our website at www.theraplay.org. You can also email me, it's very simple, gloria at theraplay.org. Our, our website does have our trainings listed. Um, level one is a great place to start if you're ready to kind of incorporate this into your practice. If you'd just like to learn more, we also do offer a professional overview seminar. We offer those at the, the Institute in Evanston, as well as at our regional training centers at different points in the year. So we have a regional training center in Fairfax, one in, Cal in uh, Camarillo, California. Um, we're, we're, we have one in Houston, and I'm drawing a blank on the other one. Um, it's a new one for us. Oh, Indianapolis at the Children's Bureau. Um, and so we're continuing to grow in the U.S. as well as internationally. And so definitely check out our website for more information. And if they wanted to purchase a TheraPlay book, they would purchase the third edition. Um, is the most recent one. And is Amazon the best place for them to go for that? Um, they can go to Amazon. They can also purchase it through our website, our media store. We also have... Um, a quite a variety of activity books as well as um, videos that you can watch and, and learn more about TheraPlay as well. Our one-day overview is available as a video, um, and you can watch it and take a CE test and kind of have okay. that count towards your play therapy credits as well as others. That's fantastic. So there are a lot of different options, you know, to just kind of – dip your toe in or really yes. force, you know, taking the level one and beyond. Possibly. Yes, so, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's really wonderful. Um, different options for different people in terms of where they're at. Um, yeah. So Gloria, I want to thank you so much for meeting with me today and, and thank you also for your contribution to attachment theory and action. And um, I, I look forward uh, to, to it coming out so folks will be able to see your chapter. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Karen. I appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, traumaattachmentcenter.com, or subscribe to our iTunes channel for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our broadcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, log on to TraumaAttachmentCenter.com. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, developmental trauma, and attachment theory.